This is Tariq Wilson. He's a software engineer. So I was working in Washington, D.C., and I was working for a government agency as a contractor. Tariq is describing a challenge that a lot of IT professionals face. Folks in D.C. are well aware of this, but sometimes certain government agencies that you work for, you can't bring in your cell phones, you can't have direct connections to the Internet. You're essentially working in a box cut off from uh, the rest of the outside world. Like you can receive calls and things of that nature, but you can't use your mobile devices. By design, government organizations are very strict. They're opaque. They don't let information flow freely. That's to be expected. But people have lives. They have important things going on outside of work they need to remember. For Tariq, this problem became something that he wanted to address. You know, I use reminders on my phone, but again, you couldn't bring reminders into the building. Just like any other problem that a person like Tariq faces, there was a solution waiting to be created. I'm always like like to tinker and I like to build things on you know my own. So I said, what if I make an app or some sort of program that will call me and tell me when I have to do things? Because in those environments, you know, you can receive phone calls. So with traffic at the time, you know, you have so many things you got to plan for. So, and I, I didn't want to forget anything. So I said, let me make a, a program that will call me on a certain schedule and remind me to do things. He had turned his personal challenge with time management into a very good app idea. Eventually, he would turn that passion project and make it into a product for others to subscribe to. So that's how Tie My Finger was born. This is Compiler, an original podcast from Red Hat. I'm Brent Semino. And I'm Angela Andrews. We're taking you on a journey through the software stack. We call this series Stack Unstuck. Today's episode, we are looking at frameworks. This is one episode of a series. If you want to listen from the beginning, you can start from our episode, The Great Stack Debate. Producer Kim Huang is here with our story. So, Brent, Angela, I introduced yeah. you to Tariq in the beginning. Mm-hmm. He made this app kind of solve his own problem. He decided to open it up to you know more users, more people to use. And I wanted to talk about his story in the lens of frameworks. Okay. Well, let, let's do some like definitional work at first. Yep. Yeah, we definitely have to level set here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. If we go back to one of the stacks that we talked about in the first episode of this series, Mm -hmm. we talked about the LAMP stack, right? Yes. Yes. Angela, we know this is your favorite. Heart emoji. Yes. (laughs) So which part of this is the framework? Actually, none of it. That's interesting. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. Exactly. So... We would say Linux is the operating system. Apache is the web server. It is an actual web server. The M is for MySQL, right? The database. And P is for PHP, which is a programming language. It is not a framework. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So where does the framework come in here? Well, in this stack, it does not specifically exist. 
But in other no. stacks, right, when you're talking about Node.js, that is definitely a framework. Got it. Yes. Got it. So what exactly is a framework then? Help, help me out, Kim. So a framework, think of it as, uh, I'm stealing this example, but think of it as you're building a house, right? And the framework is kind of like the frame for the house. Mm. People have been building houses for a very long time, right? Yeah. So most of the time, architects or contractors, they know that you know, a house has to have certain things. It has to have door frames, for example, so that people can go in and out of a building and go in and out of their house. They know that it has to have support beams. They know that it has to have all these mm-hmm. things. So you're not reinventing the wheel every single time you build a house. Well, frameworks are very similar. They're kind of made so that people can get things up and running as far as app development very quickly. And you don't have to build all of the different things that you need in an app from scratch. Yeah, it just does the heavy lifting. (laughs) Awesome. Talk more about that, though. What do you mean by heavy lifting? I mean, think about you, you. Your analogy was perfect. You know, if we're talking about building houses, you don't have to go out and start from scratch because there's really a template that just really makes things easier. So if you want to change the house ever so slightly, you don't have to figure out what kind of wood to use, what type of nails to use. It's kind of out there. So the framework analogy mm. really fits as opposed to using an actual programming language where if you even want it to get to the point of where the framework is, you'd have to do a lot more coding. So the framework is there and you can just take it from there and move on as opposed to starting at the root programming language. You really do have to build it up to get that level of door frame functionality. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Door frame functionality. (laughs) This sounds, I think, a little similar to libraries. So I'm I'm yes. wondering what's the distinction between frameworks and libraries? Can I take this one? Yes, please. <laughs> Go, no, no problem. So <laughs> libraries are those little pieces. Those are those little mm. things that add a little bit of something. You know, I want to add a little bit of authentication or I want to add a little bit of I don't know, some something else to the application. There are tons of libraries out there that people have created that you can add to your application that gives it just so much more functionality than without. Mm. So there are tons of different libraries and they bring the flavor. They bring the actual cool features and things um, from the outside. You bring it inside your application. And to build a successful application, you can't forget your libraries, depending on the language and framework. If we're going with this metaphor of building a house, yes, what would the what would libraries be in this metaphor? The sofa, the lamps, the chandeliers, <laughs> you know, okay. the lock on the front door. They mm. add those creature comforts, mm. the functionality. For me, I think that the distinction there is if you're pulling out my my interior decoration hat, if you're into kind of a, a farmhouse revival instead of a modern bohemian it's the difference between having a regular kind of door that has like a hinge or having one of those really cute sliding barn doors they're still doors but they're just different kinds Mm. of doors and they they require different design elements is that what we're saying angela that'll work yeah different design elements that's what libraries bring 
So why, I mean, again, using this this house metaphor, like what are frameworks useful for? Like what do they really do for us? Well, I think they help people work inside of an, a language quicker. Okay. Mm. That's what I think. You know, you'll have tons of people out there saying, you have to learn JavaScript. You know, you have to know mm. JavaScript before you can start using frameworks because you're not understanding all of the underpinnings. And I've heard that argument quite a bit. I think frameworks just help you level up quicker. You know, I think they help, mm. they give you those legs a little quicker. And there are tons of, you know, very, prolific JavaScript developers that use frameworks as well, because, you know, why reinvent the wheel? Mm. I did want to point out a couple of things. One, in this episode, we're going to go back and forth between, like, frameworks for web applications mm -hmm. and frameworks for software stacks. Mm, okay. okay. And the second part was that people on the internet say things. And one of the things that they say is that frameworks can remove the focus from learning the basics of coding and the basics of programming language. Sure. And I wanted oh. to know, oh, you agree. I wanted to know if that was true, honestly. What do you think? I 100% agree. I think frameworks are, you know, you, you know again, we're going to use analogies here. I can't draw to save my life. Mm. But I can trace, I can buy me a really nice coloring book and get the picture that I want. Understanding the underpinnings of how things work and when things don't work, why they don't mm. work, I think that's very important. I think we're going to get into some of these kind of core questions. Yes. Like why even use a framework in the first place? The like whys. how exactly does a framework help us build applications? Right, Kim? Yes, and for that, we're going to go back to Tariq and tie my finger. So I wanted to know exactly how Tariq's app, Tie My Finger, came together. First, let's talk about, of course, tech stack. What kind of stack did Tariq use? I've been uh, using Java for... Since 97, I think that's the first time I, I learned Java and wrote any Java code. So that's that's my language. So I always look to uh, work around Java and building a stack that works with it. So at the time, I used uh, Spring and uh, Spring MVC, you know, all the entire Spring uh, ecosphere. So he talks about Spring MVC. It's one web application framework of many. With frameworks, an application can talk to other services through an API. Like if you call a bank or something like that and they're you interacting, it's, it's likely using Twilio or something like that. Twilio is a telecommunications company that has its own API or application programming interface so that an app like Tie My Finger can talk to different systems like an email client, for example. So, like, how did this all come together? So... The app works like this. You'll put in a, an appointment, for example. You have to go to the dentist. I do need to go to the dentist. Me too. <laughs> but uh, you, so you put, uh, tie my finger, you put it into the app, into the web app. And then around the time, maybe 30 minutes before your appointment, maybe an hour before your appointment, the app will send a message to, I guess, a Twilio. So like... It will talk to that certain API to send yes. a phone yeah. call, an automated phone call, 
to your desk at work, to the number that you've determined that your is your number of, yeah, yeah your point of contact. Okay. So it kind of acts like an early version of push notifications. You ever seen yeah. like notifications on your phone where you have an appointment in your calendar app and it kind of notifies you 30 minutes before you have like a alarm you can put on there. Maybe it has a little like ding or like a little like mm-hmm. ringtone or something associated with it. All of those happen through uh, what he was talking about, the framework that allows him to build something to talk to that API. And that mm. API like kind of creates that connection between the app and, in this case, Twilio. So what are frameworks doing for Tariq in this scenario? Definitely making his app building easier. Yes. Okay. He wanted to build an app quickly. And Mm -hmm. as opposed to starting from scratch, he said, oh, well, let me use this framework. And the framework has a lot of the functionality built in. So if he's just calling functions and modules and whatever to do what needs to be done, he doesn't have to write them. Everything's already Mm -hmm. in the framework. It's just he's not coming to the table with just a hammer and nails. He basically has what he needs in front of him and then he can just start building from there. So it probably helped him build his application a whole lot quicker. So With that, like Tariq kind of gives his own general breakdown of what a framework is and what it does. If you develop any decent sized application, there are a lot of components that you have to build and integrate. So you've got, you know, services that you're developing and those services have to talk to different things on the back end, perhaps a database or some sort of uh, middleware or another system, another service somewhere. All of that has to be wired together and talk and communicate in a consistent way. So a framework kind of gives you rules on how you can make that happen in a consistent way. Tariq has an excellent example of this. For subscriptions at the time, I I used something called Chargeify. And Chargeify, they had, I don't even know if they had an API at the time, but they did, no, they they did have an API, of course, but I don't think they had like a tool, you know, that you can use like to say, hey, drop this component into your application and go. But they did have an API, but see the Spring Framework had a REST component where you can easily develop REST code to talk to their systems. Okay, I think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm lost again. What is what is REST code? Well, REST is uh, what is it? Uh, yeah, it's an acronym. It stands for Representational State Transfer. I'm so bad with acronyms, but what I hear him saying is that, you know, there are these multiple components and they're just right there and then you can use them to help you build things out. So again, you're not building things from scratch. You use what the framework has to offer. If this component does X, that's the one you use. If, If this one does Y, that's the one you use. So it sounds to me that they make integration so much easier because it's almost like Mm -hmm. plug and play. He just made it sound super easy and I know it isn't, Um, but he really did make (laughs) it sound like plug and play. Yes. The, the idea behind the rest code is that it kind of works with a plug and play kind of analogy because Mm -hmm. you have the code on the back end of an application to talk to a specific service. In this case, the service of Chargeify that he was using to 
enable people to pay him for using the app, which is kind of how you monetize an app. So that's yep. the important kind of aspect on the back end uh, for talking about, you know, developing an application. That's kind of an important kind of functional requirement to have if you want to, say, monetize your creation. So Tariq is kind of our case study here of how frameworks can help people when they're building an app. Frameworks help with the heavy lifting and tying different components of a service together. You know, no system nowadays, even back then, kind of operated in isolation. You had to talk to, depending on the size of the application, like some of the things I built for the government, you may have hundreds of hundreds of different services that you need to talk to. So a framework gives you a consistent way to talk to each one of those services, whether it's like a database service or a REST web service, even SOAP or some other you know service. And then it has other things around it, like authentication and logging and all kinds of things, caching to help improve performance, improve security. So a framework gives you all of those technologies. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What stuck out to you? I mean, what stuck out to me is... It sounds like when he talks about a consistent way to talk to each other, that immediately makes me think APIs. Like, yes, that's what APIs do. So I'm going out on a limb here because, again, I'm not a developer. This is just seeming like a lot of these frameworks have these parts already built in that make communication to other services so much simpler. So the, you know, you don't have to wed yourself to any one thing that you're going to talk to. You can talk to all the things. And I'm going to assume here he's talking about the frameworks allow him to make communication between all of these disparate services so much easier. Mm. Exactly. So, Kim, you said that Tariq's app is a smaller app, right? How do frameworks work in building, like, really large software projects? Yes, that's a very good question. And that's something that we can take on next. So now we know how frameworks help individual developers build apps, right? But what happens when you don't have just one developer, but a team of people working on a project? I wanted to speak to someone who had that exact experience, and it's someone you might recognize. His name is Adam Bergstein. He spoke to us about the front end on one of our tech stack episodes before. Adam goes on to talk about uh, web frameworks interfacing with the database layer, for example, in a tech stack. Sometimes I think in school you might learn about SQL, you might learn about running a database server, you might learn about the services on the infrastructure side. Here's how you run a database server, here's how you interface with it, here's how you authenticate to it and write queries in a database server. So then the question becomes, well, uh, if you're using a framework, it interfaces and sort of uses a database in different ways. So if I want to use Drupal to build an application, as an example, I would be able to set up my database automatically with Drupal, right? With the right information, the right settings, the right connection. Uh, so you might not be writing raw SQL. Uh, you could. The framework might support that. But frameworks tend to you know, be um, steering people towards using a certain set of practices, right? 
and those practices apply to the database layer itself. So frameworks are opinionated. Mm. How about that? You see what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. he, he, he said it so perfectly. You know, it's steering people towards doing certain practices. And that is great, especially if you don't know all of the myriad of ways that you can do said one thing. It's nice to have something that says, okay, this is this way works. This is the way we're doing it. I think that's pretty clever. It mm. is. It definitely cuts down on errors, on bad code, on people just not knowing, like you said, like not knowing exactly what roads to take if they're writing in raw code. You know, it's it's really great to have that kind of like this thing is tried and tested and true and works and it has worked and it's in uh, the library and that you can reference it and, you know, sleep at night knowing that it's <laughs> not going to be a disaster. Mm. So from that, we can understand how frameworks simplify the process of building apps. Indeed. But what about people that say it simplifies things too much? One of the jobs that I had when I worked in higher education was trying to implement uh, like a Drupal website. And building with that framework helped me to learn, you know, a little bit and focus a little bit more on the backend development, but also gave some guardrails around doing, implementing things with a framework. Instead of just getting my hands on the keyboard and doing a bunch of code, the framework really, you know, sort of added a lot of discipline of, Here's how you develop the code. Here are some tools that you can use to build your code. And so that was a really useful thing for me to learn. So Adam started out doing a lot of raw coding. He doesn't think that frameworks detract from learning the basics of code. He says he's become an avid supporter of what frameworks can do, how it can provide those parameters and provide those guardrails and provide mm. help to developers who want to build things. I was able to learn almost just by picking up like notepad on the computer and typing stuff, right? Getting that sort of low level really, really helps you appreciate everything else, right? Like, wow, this framework does a lot. And wow, this IDE is really powerful. Like it can scan my code and show errors and, and everything like that. Work smarter, not harder. Mm, yes. <laughs> yeah. So frameworks can cut down on errors in that way. It's a type of standardization. Yes. That makes things more efficient, especially if you're building in a team environment. Mm. Um, someone else can come in, a new person can be hired and come in and look at your code and they can do updates and they can do maintenance. They're not completely put out by something that someone has made, say, bespoke, and they can kind of use those same best practices and those same parameters to make changes to an app without breaking it, essentially. Mm -hmm. And besides being able to get apps up and running quickly... Frameworks help large teams with standardization and maintainability. Mm. Two very okay. important features when you're working with teams. Yeah. Word. Yes. Yep. And Adam says that that is the true strength of the framework itself. 
You could build something and you could do it really quickly or rapidly. And, and those are skills that people have, right? But I think the most talented people that kind of go through and they evolve in their career are the ones that say, sure, I can build this and I can do it really quickly. But the ones that really stand out are the ones that are like, I can build it really quickly and I've done it in a way that is extremely supportable and maintainable and follows to the letter the standards and best practices that are put in place. One thing that I've been thinking about is like we've been talking about a lot of the benefits mm -hmm. of frameworks and I'm curious if there are any drawbacks like oh, are there I'm any sure. limitations to them? Yes there's a few that I can think of but I wanted to hear from Tariq again because he has something to say about this. The thing that will happen is at some point in time you will exhaust the the limits of whatever framework you've chosen so at some point in time, it really is going to behoove you to really learn the technology that's like underlying that framework. And if you don't, that's when you have those long nights trying to solve some thorny issue if you don't really know what's happening. I said so, that in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's something right? that we talked yeah. about at the beginning of the episode. Oh, my yeah. okay. gosh. So that that's a thing. Like, mm. there are limits to this, and you have to really understand what's underneath it. To make it make yes. sense. Okay. Yes. And learning frameworks is a great way to build applications and build them very quickly. But in order to understand how they work and to understand how the app works mm -hmm. and understand challenges and troubleshoot issues when they come up, it's very beneficial to know the fundamentals of coding. I agree. Mm. I imagine that there are quite a lot of frameworks out there. Did Tariq and Adam talk about like how to choose a framework? Like what's most important in making that decision? That's a good question. I spoke with Tariq about that and here's what he had to say. Well, it's kind of like, you know, if you, you walk into a party and like you're the only person there, then you might not want to be at that party, right? So <laughs> if no one else is using that framework and no one else meaning like, you know, whoever you consider to be an industry leader or you look around on like sites like Stack Overflow, look for frameworks where it has some some longevity and it has a pretty thriving community. There's one secret that I've learned over the years about frameworks and really is to look at the documentation. So if they have really good documentation and the documentation matches the framework when you really start using it, then it's probably a good framework. Okay, he just so it's something like dropped. sustainability, right? Yes. Yeah. It, if it has a lot of users, staying power. If it yeah. has great documentation, if it has a community around it, you want to use something that has that staying power. And those mm. those few signs are really good indicators that you're onto something that'll be around for a while, that'll be supported, that the documentation actually helps and get you know works for you mm, so mm -hmm. that that is a great litmus test for deciding what framework should you be using nice yes exactly um making an informed decision is just a matter of looking at the vibrance and the activity going on in, in yeah. a community um it's support it's documentation how many people are talking about it are other developers in uh your networks talking about yeah. it those yeah. are all very yeah. good ways to figure out um 
how to choose a framework to work with. You want to hear what they're talking about and what they're talking about. Like, you, mm. that's really how you make those good choices. Mm. Yes. You want to hear the yeah. praises, but you also want the tea. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, Cam, Angela, we've talked about some of the fundamentals of frameworks, and we've, we've talked about applications of these frameworks. Mm-hmm. What should we be taking away from this whole conversation, though? Well, I think there's many little nuggets that we heard throughout from both of our guests, that mm-hmm. frameworks are helpful, they help you learn quicker, they help you get your app up quicker, they really do aid you and assist you. They help you with standardization, especially when you're working with, you know, different services. They make that so much easier. Mm, But we mm -hmm. also learned the other side of it, too. So Mm. I I like the fact that we we didn't just, you know, we played both sides in this episode because I think folks who are listening, they need to hear that. Kim, what's on your mind? Like after talking with both of our guests, what what's going through your mind now? Well, I'll be honest. In the beginning, I wasn't exactly sure I even understood the concept of frameworks. I thought that most developers just started writing raw code and, and making everything from scratch. <laughs> yeah. And the more and more I learned about frameworks, the more and more it made sense. You don't mm-hmm. make a house from scratch every single time. There are different types and different styles of houses that you can reference or use. All, all houses have to have doors. <laughs> all of them have to have walls mm-hmm. and ceilings. And so why try to reinvent the wheel so many times and do everything brand new when you have so many different things to reference and so many different Mm -hmm. things that have been tried and true and tested and things that other people can vouch for, that other people in your communities or in your networks can vouch for. You know, frameworks are there to help developers build applications very quickly, but they should not be seen as a cure-all or a salve or a substitute for basic knowledge. Instead, they should be considered essential for large teams that have to check their code and kind of have to work together. Mm, Maybe you're bringing mm -hmm. new people onto a project and they need to get up to speed very quickly. A framework will help you do that. But when things go wrong or when things go awry, which they always do, that's where falling back on that fundamental knowledge becomes really important, whether you're working by yourself or you're working with other people. So frameworks aren't technically part of the stack, but they are a really important part of it, though, at the same time, right? Or at least in building applications. Yes, they're a very important aspect of the the development process. Agreed. Yes. So... After a couple of detours, a few stops, a few rest stops along the way. (laughs) This is a little detour, wasn't it? (laughs) Yes, we have arrived at the database layer. And you can come back next time to listen to this very essential um, aspect of the tech stack. It's very exciting. I'm excited to hear about it. Me too. All right. So up next, the database. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. What are your thoughts about frameworks? Use them, not use them, doesn't matter. 
Tweet us at Red Hat. Use the hashtag Compiler Podcast. We want to hear from you. What do you think about frameworks? And that does it for this episode of Compiler. Today's episode was produced by Kim Wong and Caroline Craighead. Victoria Lawton is never the only person at the party. Our audio engineer is Elizabeth Hart. Special thanks to Sean Cole. Our theme song was composed by Mary Anchetta. A big old thank you to our guests, Tariq Wilson and Adam Bergstein. Our audio team includes Lee Day, Laura Barnes, Stephanie Wonderlick, Mike Esser, Nick Burns, Aaron Williamson, Karen King, Boo Boo House, Rachel Ortel, Mike Compton, Ocean Matthews, Alex Trabolsi, and Laura Walters. If you like today's episode, go ahead and follow the show. Give us a rating, leave us a review, and share it with someone you know. It, it really does help us out. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you next time. All right. See you next time. Hey, I'm Jeff Ligon. I'm Director of Engineering for Edge and Automotive at Red Hat. One of the most exciting things about edge computing right now is the potential to join forces with AI. There's so much data on the ground that businesses can use to improve services. But running sophisticated AI workloads at the edge is just not a do-it-yourself operation. You get buried in the details very quickly. Specialized hardware, custom-built this and that, workloads in the cloud and at the edge. How do you pick the right devices? What's the OS? How do you update everything? At Red Hat, we don't think those details should be where you have to focus. You can hand that complexity to us. Our edge solutions provide a consistent operational experience for even the most complex workloads. From the data center to the cloud to the farthest edge. Learn more at redhat.com slash edge.